Before we start, we need to state that this is for entertainment and educational purposes only. And even though Ketch is a CPA and may weigh in on topics, he is not your CPA and his license is inactive. And finally, nothing any of us say is financial advice. I think is one of the most valuable things you can do. 100% good on the networks and just what they need to either do. The world's not ready for this. Also a community. Do a lot of research. Welcome to Palisade Crypto. Welcome to episode four of Palisade Crypto's podcast. Today we're talking about crypto scams, what to look for, how to avoid them, and best practices. I'm Super Synapse, and today I'm joined with Algo, Dujo, Tuesdays, and Winston. Talking about crypto scams, what is a crypto scam? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start because I think sometimes it can be hard to tell. I mean, there are, you know, a lot, there's, you know, crypto is deep and there's a lot of entry points. And um, I think that there's, you know, a pretty big spectrum um, between like what are solid projects and what are scams. A lot of times in crypto, you're rewarded for being an early adopter and, you know, jumping into things early can reap some of the biggest rewards, right? Like you often hear the phrase, with great risk comes great reward. And it is true, but uh, it can also come with being scammed. So you have to you have to be really careful. And I think part of it is just knowing what you're getting into, right? When you, when you look at an initial project, when you're kind of in the assessment phase, before you jump into it, kind of ask yourself like, what, what am I hoping to get out of this? Like, does this look reputable? Is this a long-term play or a short-term play? Because a lot of times in this space, you know, it, one one man's scam is you know another man's you know moonshot, right? <laughs> um, it it happens. So I, I think uh, assessing projects is is a good place to start. So yeah, what, what are what are some of the best practices that that we use for assessing projects? I look for like a max supply. That's the first thing I look for. If there's a max supply of the token, tokenomics, uh, distribution of the token. Those are a couple of things I kind of take a look at when I first look at a project. I, I know it's kind of getting into more complicated stuff, but usually going through some sort of audit. A lot of these tokens, uh, the space is kind of endorsed having an audit for kind of any rep- reputability. I do read through audits a lot of the time when it's a project that I'm brand new to. Key things that I look for in that audit, usually you can scroll down to like the last page. And whoever did that audit usually says like, here's the minor issues, here's like moderate issues, and here are major red flags. Uh, and those major red flags are always like the creators of the coin still have ability to mint more coins. So it's like, okay, well, to Winston's point of looking at market cap, if they say that there's only 10,000 tokens, and then they go and mint 17 billion uh your value just dwindled and then they were able to take all your money so yeah kind of getting used to reading those audits that are performed can uh, be pretty helpful so a term commonly used in the crypto space is rugged especially when pertaining to scams can we kind of dive into the different kinds of rug pulls that people might uh find themselves stuck in yeah, I think one of the most common types of rug pulls um, that that I've seen, I just saw one uh, at the kind of end of last year with all of those airdrop tokens that were coming out. People were trying to buy into them really quickly so that you know they could hopefully make a profit by selling them later at a higher value. I think one of the ones that we were looking at, the year token, was just like a straight up textbook rug pull, I guess I would say, in that you know they waited for people to start buying the token, and then they uh, the developers disabled the ability to sell the token. 
only they could sell the token. <laughs> I forgot about that, and we were watching it live. And I even remember them tweeting out something like, we're freezing the selling of tokens until we hit, like, a, I, I want to say it was, like, 10 million market cap or something like that. But I remember us staring at their Twitter and Dex Guru or some some charting software, and we were watching that. Yeah, I think I think that was on uh, Dex Tools, and like it was it was actually kind of a cool project. Like they went out of their way to build something that felt real. It was kind of like the equivalent to like the Spotify like year in review, where you could kind of see like how much of each genre you listen to. Um, it was like that, where you could see like, oh, you know, you made this amount of money on NFTs, or like, you know, th this is how many tokens you traded this year. But but yeah, then at kind of the end of it, it was just a massive rug pull. So yeah, we were watching the chart, we were seeing people buying, and then at, and then at some point we just saw you know we were we were watching buys and sells, and then at some point we just saw green. It was only green, <laughs> and that's because they literally disabled the ability to sell the token. So it it was it was green, 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 and then we just saw like a massive you know like they took everyone's money basically because they were the only ones allowed to sit to sell it what was wild is yeah it it was like the entire liquidity pool was worth like 70 eth and they instantly withdrew like all 70 of it so you saw all these green candles and then one ginormous red candle all the way to zero like flat out zero and then the people started buying back in again and they were like tweeting out like, oh, it's on discount now and just going on and people were still buying it. I mean, it it was kind of terrifying to watch. Even. Yep. And, and I think that that goes kind of back to what I was saying at the beginning is that like people are going to prey on that instinct that you have to like get in early, you know, like people wanted to buy that token because they thought they were going to make a profit. And, you know, sometimes you have to be early to to do that um so anytime you're like rushing to do something like i know it seems counterintuitive um because you you know oftentimes you want to do things fast where you think you're going to um, make a good play in crypto but like you really have to stop and think what the motivations of the project are and you know just just look around for cues right like is this something that came out of the blue that you'd never heard of and now all of a sudden there's a rush for it or is it a project that you've been tracking for a long time they had like an advertised date that something was going to happen. You know, there are other people that you trust in the community in crypto Twitter that are talking about it. You know, not to say that those things can't be rug pulls, but I think that they're good cues to, to just kind of be aware of as, as you're assessing projects. So I guess to give it a ranking, would you categorize that as a hard rug or a soft rug? That was like an 11, like hard rug in my, <laughs> in my okay. opinion, like an 11 out of 10. So what's a good example of a soft rug where it's not as blatantly obvious where the dev take all the money out of the out of the liquidity pool? Yeah, I would say here it gets a little bit more nuanced because I would say a soft rug uh, can be where a, a project like promises something um, or they promise a lot of things and you buy into that project because you know you you believe in them and over time it becomes apparent that they're either you know consistently missing those targets. Or in the worst case scenario, they just like kind of completely the project just goes dark and you know no one gets any updates on it. So it's not like they you know necessarily stole your money like like outright, but you know maybe maybe they had been kind of selling a little bit kind of along the way as the project slowly died. So you know sometimes people move on from projects that aren't as successful as they 
thought they were going to be. But sometimes people are disingenuous in um, promoting projects, um, you know, capabilities that they're unable to actually deliver on. So I would say that that's one type of like a soft rug. For for me, I guess this is probably going to be opinion based, but I think that any time a reflection or a token tax or whatever the project calls it, any time where you lose a percentage of your money going in and out, I view that as a soft drug, even though it's pretty straightforward. I feel like most people, maybe this is the fault of people getting into the projects, but I feel like a lot of people don't think through how much they have to actually gain in order to pay that off. One of the most recent projects that I got into had a 20% in and out tax, but the price movement was so extreme that in the telegram, the project owners were like, if you're buying, you need to put it at 40% slippage. And if you're selling, you need to be at like 45% slippage. So people were going in and they were just like losing at least 20% of their investment going in and then going out losing 20% of hopefully they gain something. But I, I always think those reflections or taxes are really brutal. To me, it feels like a soft drug because the reflections generally go back to a dev wallet, then dispersed amongst the percentage of holders. So, I mean, if you have a 20% tax and 10% is going to the devs and then 10% is going to all the token holders, well, the devs are probably going to end up being the biggest token holder so they can constantly be selling as well. And also, some of that also goes to the top liquidity holders as well, which most of the time is also the devs. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're getting at is soft rugs aren't always necessarily nefarious or nefarious in the surface, but you can still lose a lot of money. I mean, I know one of my first interactions with a soft rug, as I'm going to call it, was a yield farm that provided some million percent APY. The basic way to earn that token is to provide liquidity with that token to USDC or another valuable asset like Matic or Ethereum or something else. And in doing so, you're basically providing the exit liquidity for the devs and other people to get out of that coin and sell through you. And so even though you're earning you know, 10% or more a day, the coins you're holding are losing value at 20 or 30% a day. If you put $100 in, by the end of the day, you'll have $80 or $50 or whatever. And I think that's a really good example of how sometimes the numbers can be a little goofy or a little fishy. You know, there's some funny math going on and it looks really cool and looks really good. But and you're looking at your gains like, oh man, look how many tokens I'm making, look how much percentage. But the reality is you're actually losing money kind of behind the scenes with that the math that goes on. Has anyone else had any other projects they've invested in that maybe weren't a hard rug or a soft rug where the they seemed great and awesome and then the devs just flat out abandoned it? I had a I was involved in a, a project on Binance uh, last year. It had to do with uh, like contributing to a project that would help the environment. So it was kind of like, hey, I'm trading crypto and I'm I'm doing something nice for for the environment. I thought that was kind of a cool concept. As Tuesday said, soft rugs can be, you can be pretty opinionated about this. I mean, it was more so like a death by a thousand cuts. Like, you you know, I kind of bought the top at, at one point and it lost a ton of its value. And jumping on Telegram, they're like, well, you know, this group of people sold this amount, but like, you, you really don't know. 
how are you supposed to know what group is selling what? Like it could be the devs or it could be a majority of the token holders. But I mean, in that case, you kind of just kind of have a feeling, well, like what happened? The prez of the coin straight up died. That was kind of my experience. Yeah. And for someone who's newer to crypto or doesn't know their way around a blockchain explorer, you're absolutely right. A lot of this stuff can happen kind of behind the scenes and you're like, what's happening? And I would say for for people interested in crypto, if they want to learn and really kind of grow, being able to use a blockchain explorer, which is fairly simple. You can look up a coin, you can see how many people are holding it, how much each person is holding. Um, and you can also see who's selling. Now, that's a great thing to look at. Does anyone Has anyone experienced any kind of an exploit where they invested in a coin or a project and even though it had really good potential, something happened, whether through the devs backdooring the project or through a vulnerability that they experienced? I've actually last year threw some, say, Gijan money into a certain farm on Polygon that literally only had Chinese or uh, Cantonese translation for it. I had to use Google Translate to actually understand it. I kind of knew what I was getting into. How I remember this project. Yeah. How much of how many red flags it threw. But I was like, ah, I'm feeling spicy. And I started, I over doubled my investment in there. But literally a week later, after initially getting in, the whole site just disappeared. Found out that within the contracts itself, they literally had the developers coded in exit paths to mercy withdrawal liquidity, not back to their actual liquidity providers, but to their own wallets. It's one of those things that out of nowhere, stuff could just disappear. And your money can literally just go into the void within the blink of an eye. Yeah, I, I think that's one kind of... Uh just interesting part about crypto culture is like deep degen culture. I'll call it. I think like, you know, in the heat of a bull run, you know, you're up, <laughs> your portfolio is looking really good. There's just something in like, you know, I'm not advocating this, but like, I think we've all felt it. Like there's just something like fun or thrilling about something like with a ridiculous name. Like I know, Tuesdays was in something called yogurt finance. Uh, and you know, the, the like webpage just looked so horrible and like we kind of knew like when you look at stuff like that you kind of know what you're getting into but there's just something like fun about it still so again like i'm not advocating it but i feel like if you're if you're into crypto and um you know looking at thousands of apps that are out there um you're going to come across these things and be tempted you know to to it's kind of like gambling at that point yeah, um, I, I would agree. Like, it's that thrill that like you look at it and you see there's already they've already made 20 mistakes or they have already shown that like, hey, this is not at all legitimate. And you don't want to throw too much money at it. But yeah, I was I would see that as gambling It's a thrill like yo like yogurt finance, for example. Uh, but going back to DGEN, maybe we want to tell the or tell the listeners what actually is a DGEN play and uh, maybe I'll go. Can you define that for us? So a DGEN play, um, on Palisade, I'm known for my DGEN plays. That's that's who I am. I love just throwing money at something, but always have that hope in the back of my mind, my fingers crossed that, hey, maybe it'll 2, 5, 10x, you never know. But DGEN plays are pretty much more of gambles than investments that you just hope, more than hope, not expect. It's just mainly hope that the project token, whatever it is, takes off. So we talked a little bit about projects that can scam. I think it's really good for us to go into maybe not necessarily a project, but a contract scam 
and how that can work. Can anyone here talk about some contract scams either they've come across or contract scams that they have uh, heard about? Yeah, so one I bought into using a service called PooCoin to watch new uh, tokens being minted, being created on BSC. I noticed a token coming out called Acid, and after it was created, salt liquidity was added, and I bought in. There was a bunch of green. I was an additional one of those people buying in and come to realize that coded within the contract, you could not sell. The only people could sell were the developers. So another another good example of a contract scam that I've heard of is you'll get a, a token that's airdropped into your wallet and you don't know what it is, but you're looking through your wallet going, huh, what's this? It's a, it's a, it's a token. I've never heard of this. And when you start looking into the token, you find out you have to go to a specific website to be able to sell it. And when you go to that website, you'll see that token is worth a lot of money. Like they airdropped you, you know, $10,000 worth of the token. You're like, whoa. But if you actually go through and do the swap, rather than giving you the $10,000 for their token, they end up taking all the tokens in your wallet. So that's like a really good example of a contract scam. Um, and so kind of going on that vein, uh, what what are best practices? I mean, if you're using your wallet if you get coins that are airdropped, if you find new projects that look really cool, what can you do to try and avoid a lot of these scams? So one of the best things you could do is have a separate wallet. You do for the more, I guess, risky, more degenic place. That's what I do. I had multiple wallets set up for different tiers of risk, different risk levels. I only use my degen wallet for really degen stuff, right? So I don't expose my main holdings or blue chips to potential risk of, God forbid, me interacting with a smart contract of a token farm, whatever it may be, that then rugs everything out of my wallet. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in the NFT space, you're, you know, I think I've mentioned that I, I trade NFTs and I, I mint a decent amount of NFTs as well. And in the NFT space, like you're often can have, uh, you know, Kind of a rush to mint something. So again, kind of going back to some of the ways that uh, people like exploit your psychology to get you to do risky things when you have to do them quickly for some reason. But you know, when you're minting NFTs, you're doing a lot of contract interactions, a lot of uh, different tokens. And I, I, I would totally agree with Algo that like have a hot wallet. You know, if you don't know what that is, listen to our, you know, one of our last episodes about wallets, but have, have a wallet that you use that you interact with smart contracts and have wallets that you use that you ne you never interact with smart contracts. So on my hardware wallet, I never interact with, with smart contracts on it just because, you know, there's a chance of exploit there. Yeah, I think that it kind of comes down to if, if you want to be in this space, there's a bit of education and research you have to do for yourself here. And like we spoke about earlier, you have to start getting comfortable with being able to use a block explorer, being able to understand, okay, here's the contract address, and then going through and like looking at what, and this is only if it's not a brand new project, but have people been able to sell that token? Is there anything else that's going on? You can check transactions, see if it if it is stealing all your tokens on your approval. You you kind of get used to it, and especially if you have other people that have already uh, blazed that trail for you, uh, that that definitely helps. It's uh it it is kind of getting used to using the tools, learning what good contracts look like, what the interactions and transactions should look like, and kind of being able to do a little bit of research for yourself and being like, okay, I feel comfortable putting X amount of money into it. But yeah, I think Algo hit the nail on the head. Having separate wallets at the start 
It's one of the things that luckily I never really got affected on when I started because I was only using one hot wallet. But yeah, having having multiple wallets and eliminating a lot of that risk. I know that we all got into kind of a game five project and we all made separate wallets for it because we didn't know what we were even getting ourselves into. It turned out to be a lot of fun. But yeah, I think separate wallets is just massively important. So going kind of on the social engineering side of things, uh, Dujo, let's say you have a, an NFT project you're interested in, or even a crypto project, and you're in their Telegram or their Discord. You know, how do you know what's a good resource of information? You know, let's say you have a dev that DMs you, or a friend tells you about a project. How do you go about finding that legitimate project? Yeah, I, I think uh, that's that's something that you really always have to be conscious of. Even if you are tapped into like the official communities, like say you're you're in a project's Discord, um, you have to go off of those other cues too. Like it's not it's not good enough to just be in the Discord and see an announcement saying like, "Oh, we launched early," or "Oh, you can mint now. We moved the mint up like out of nowhere for an NFT project." Um, you have to be really cautious about that. And I would say the best advice that I would give is like that you have to just stop and think again is this something that was communicated prior to it happening or is this like a surprise is this something new you have to rely not only on the official links in like a discord or like an official link on like the official twitter for projects um, but also kind of that community aspect as well like are there people that you you follow for instance on twitter that follow this other project that you're interested in i think you can kind of use all of these cues to to help gauge whether or not a project is valid or a scam i think one of the most intense social engineerings that i've read about was an article that dujo uh, retweeted or a thread that he retweeted where someone explained that he's a developer for this project and he had an ENS name and I, I, I think that this is definitely something that if you do have a public uh, persona obviously most of us have our ENS names publicly shown or displayed on our Twitters and things like that but somebody had joined his discord volunteered to help out with their project actually made content like they did some video rendering that was actually some decent quality for the project <laughs> yeah yeah and the person sat in their discord and talked with this guy for like weeks and was like hey i'm also working on an nft project you guys seem great i would love to gift one of these nfts to you and the guy's like yeah that that sounds great i mean i've appreciated your your help over the past couple weeks i would love to see if i could help your nft project the guy was like cool what wallet can i send it to and this guy had multiple wallets he's like yeah send it here and the person did that and they're like oh it's going to be a really valuable nft one day and there's going to be staking rewards you should move it to your most secure wallet and the guy's like I need to look into a few things before I do that, but sure for now, uh, but let, let me review it. And they just kept pushing it. And he was like, if, if they didn't push it so hard, maybe I would have moved it because I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, staking rewards that could earn a bit of money one day. And he looked into it, the like staking token approval of that NFT allowed for spending of every single asset like in the wallet. So it was like an NFT that gave you a token that could then steal everything in your wallet it was he was like this is such an elaborate scam the person even helped us on our project and made videos and all these things for us and was talking to us for weeks and it was all an elaborate uh social engineering uh attempt to get his eth so yeah I mean, 
it was wild. Yeah, it's totally wild. And, you know, like obviously people who are, you know, building projects or have really public personas are, you know, maybe a little bit more susceptible to these things. But actually, I just remembered that I won uh, like a, a Twitter giveaway for a project that Super Synapse is involved in. Oh, I remember and, this. And I won the giveaway and someone actually impersonated me on Super Synapse's Discord server to try to claim the NFT. And like, you know, I mean, I know Super Synapse, so like we were able to work it out, but like there are people out there just like looking at tweets where people win giveaways and then trying to impersonate them on, you know, w whatever, whatever platforms these projects use. So it's like, it's pretty widespread. So you always have to remain vigilant. So like, give it some time. Like if you just met someone and they're trying to give you an NFT for doing nothing, or like they want to send you a token for doing nothing, or, you know, Synapse mentioned it earlier, something just shows up in your wallet and you don't know why you have to be, you know, you have to take, take a step back and say, I'm going to give this some time. I'm going to think about this before I click this link or, you know, try to trade this token. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember going on Twitter and I was like, "Oh, hey, here's Dujo. Like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add him as a friend or whatever on Twitter." And I was completely fooled, and I had to I had to get back to you back in the Discord and and figure out later that wasn't really you. That was kind of wild. I also found um, there was a there was a YouTube scam that keeps on going on where they'll have like a a video that was filmed in the past of like maybe Michael Saylor or uh, the guy from Binance, whatever. And he'll be talking about whatever. And they'll have a link posted below on that YouTube video. And they'll say that the YouTube video is live. Like they're live streaming this in real time. They'll have a link below to claim whatever, you know, crypto token or whatever. And you click that link and you're led into some kind of scam and it's fooled quite a lot of people. So to kind of, kind of summarize the uh, impersonation, if you're ever on a discord and someone messages you, and they have the profile picture of a moderator, they have the name of a moderator. You can look at their Discord name and see if they actually are that person and even verify that in Discord or on Telegram, the same thing. You can look at their at handle. If their profile says private or it's it's empty, big red flag right there. And I even many times will, instead of messaging the person that messaged me, I'll go to the dev or the person I want to talk to through the Discord or through the Telegram and message that person through there. And if it's the same person, the message pops up in the same conversation. If it's not, it shows, oh, that was somebody impersonating. So we talked about a lot of uh, different rug pulls, but I think another another interesting topic is just like straight up like exploits. So like projects that don't have any ill intent whatsoever, but there is an exploit within their contract that allows you know malicious actors to do things that were never planned as part of the project. So I think one really high profile exploit, and I mean you know you can call an exploit. I think it's 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 a little bit of a gray area, but one of them was with the OpenSea contract. So OpenSea migrated recently to a new contract, and that was in part because of this kind of like high profile exploit that was going around, where if you had an NFT in your wallet and say you like, maybe you bought an, a board ape early, quote unquote, <laughs> and you listed it for five ETH. And then you decided, oh man, these things are going up. I really don't want to sell this. So I'm going to move this board ape to my hardware wallet and just let it sit there. So you do that. And then maybe, you know, a few months go by and you're thinking, wow, like now I can sell this board ape for a lot more. I'm going to move it back to my, my the wallet that I originally used when I listed it on OpenSea, and then I'm going to try to sell it for like 90 ETH or something like that. The problem is that with the OpenSea contract, the way that it was set up 
previously, if if you moved that NFT back into the original wallet, that sale listing that you had for five ETH is still valid. And someone could just, you know, buy that before you have a chance to even cancel the listing or change the price. And a lot of people didn't didn't really realize that that was the case. Um, so people thought that they were, um, you know, losing their NFTs, but really it was just intricacy of the OpenSea contract. Another uh, another common o- OpenSea exploit, we'll say, is like high frequency uh, changing of sell prices. So like people will list something for like 0.1 ETH and then really quickly change it to 1 ETH or 10 ETH or something like that. Um, and the problem with that is that sometimes OpenSea can be slow to update the, the like what you see on the front end when you're buying. So I think uh, just another really good, like general, like <laughs> web three hygiene practice is always read MetaMask. Like do not trust the front end. So when you click buy on OpenSea and it says 0.1 ETH, that's great. But when you know your wallet pops up, read what it actually says, read that you're actually paying 0.1 ETH and not one ETH or 10 ETH. And I, I try to make that like standard practice. I sometimes will catch myself like when I'm doing something like kind of monotonous, like, oh, I go to balancer to claim my balancer reward. You know, I'm not necessarily worried about balancer exploiting me, but I, I, anytime I feel like I'm like really quick to the trigger on those approvals without actually reading the dialogue, I take a step back and say like, Hey, like this is something really important. That's what really matters is when you're making an interaction through your wallet. You really have to read those, make sure that you're doing what the website says you're doing. (laughs) As we wrap things up today, we talked about a lot of different types of crypto scams out there, whether it's hard rugs, soft rugs, or exploits. There's a lot of precautions that you can take to help safeguard your assets. Separate wallets couldn't be stressed enough. Have a separate hardware wallet for those assets or your larger holdings that would really ruin your day or week or even year if you lost those. Having a separate hardware wallet for your blue chips and things that you just don't want to lose. Another precaution that you can take is going through what contracts and token approvals you've given for your wallet. You're able to use tools like DBank or Etherscan that actually display everything that you've given your wallet permission to, and you can go in and revoke that. If you are like us and interact with the blockchain a lot, you can have hundreds or thousands of permissions sitting out there, and it is worth the time to go through, revoke those permissions, be sure that you're still not giving access to your wallet to projects or websites that you no longer use. That's just one way to kind of harden your wallet from being exposed. Another huge help to yourself is to learn the tools that are already out there to help give you an advantage on your own security. Block explorers give you a lot of information and they are a little intimidating to start out with, but the more you look at it, the more you start clicking around, there's a lot of really good information in there and they can help you determine whether or not something's going on with this uh, token or contract, and they provide a lot of insight. We really recommend people learning how to navigate block explorers, what you should be looking for, and what some red flags are. Another big recommendation we have is 
make sure that you actually have a valid link to the official website of your what you're trying to interact with. DeFi Llama is a tool that we use on a regular basis. And if you've never gone to a site before, if you're looking for a new swap or a new farm or anything, DeFi Llama has a very well curated list of vetted projects that they provide you with the official link to the website on DeFi Llama. So if you've never been to a site, you don't have to guess whether it's .com, .io, .finance. DeFi Llama has gone ahead and provided you the correct link. And finally, our last recommendation is learning what the transactions that pop up on your wallet actually mean and being comfortable knowing what that transaction is doing with your wallet, whether it's connecting so that the website can look into your wallet, signing to verify that it's your wallet or signing another type of transaction or actually initiating a transaction on chain that's going to be moving your assets and how much of an asset and which assets. Hopefully this gave you some things to think about when looking into projects. And if you ever want a second opinion, you can always join our Discord. We'd be more than happy to look through contracts or talk about scams that we have been through or even look at a project that you're interested in. Um, you can join us at discord.gg palisade or palisadecrypto.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.